We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me, verified all that good stuff. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. Chris, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot the victory cigars. I didn't bring them today. That's just... That's Chris pretending to light up a cigar. So <laughs> you guys know like what that is. Uh, have you ever had a cigar? Come on, man. Never. No? no? Never. Okay. I would hold one. Yeah, no. You did counts. in Miami. Yeah, no. I haven't. <laughs> uh, cigars ain't great. But uh, we're bringing up cigars, obviously, because that's what Jamal Adams had in his mouth after they won the NFC West Championship uh, on Sunday at Lumen Field. They beat the Rams 20 to 9. It's probably one of the best defensive performances they've had all season when you account for the opponent. Like it was full on, full on beat down. Rams didn't score a touchdown. Seahawks scored two of them, which is gonna be enough if you don't allow uh, any on defense for the most part. Uh, just an overall, just really great game. Obviously, you guys watch this while you listen to us now. Chris, a couple things because we got a lot of good questions, uh, like you said, that we're gonna get into from people on Twitter. Shout out to you guys, uh, you know, helping out with the show in that regard. Appreciate the love. The first thing is. Chris, it's about damn time Pete Carroll looked like he was the better coach in a matchup with Sean McVay. Like, that is legit. It, I don't think that it, that literally has not happened since these two have been going against each other. Where I watched the game and was like, yo, that dude over there with the gray hair, chewing the gum and the khakis, he's better than the dude, handsome dude with the jawline over there in the Rams uniform. Like, I really have never really thought that after any of these games. Like, even the first one that they won against the Rams, and I think it was like week four or week five of 2017, it was like a fully healthy Legion of Boom, uh, minus Cliff Averill because he had had the neck injury. It was, they won 16-10, to 10, and Goff looked like trash, and it was like the first game of McVay and Goff versus Pete Carroll, and this is after Goff was trash in his rookie year. So it was like, oh, okay, like, that's a good it's a good win. That is. And then after that, it was just a bunch of, like, beatdowns, 42-7, to 7, um... It was one in 2018 they lost uh, up here in Seattle, gave up like 30 points. 36-31. Uh, 
uh, the, uh, yeah, and then down there in L.A. that same year they lost what thirty twenty nine. Okay, and then no, 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 that that thirty twenty nine is a win. Uh, so you're right, thirty one thirty three. Thirty one thirty three is up here, I think. And then they lost thirty six thirty one. Yep, down there in L.A. and then they come up here and they win in the game where Tedrick has that crazy pick. Um, and then uh, what's his name misses the kick for the Rams and Pete Carroll jokes after that like I think he joked that like Paul Allen like pushed it uh, from from the heavens because they honored Paul Allen I think that day at the stadium it was Thursday night football but either way a missed kick is basically how they won that game and then even after getting Quandre Diggs they go down to LA and just get just smoked 28 to 12 and really only had that they only had uh, 12 points because Quandre Diggs had a pick six yeah. uh, in that game. So really, every time, and even last the last game, the last game they played, what it was 23 to 16. I think they looked better on defense, but then it was like, okay, cool, you can't figure out their offense now because then Russ looked like trash, right? So I never really watched a, a game really with McVay and Pete. I was like, oh, okay, Pete, you got this, you good, you. You still the the uh, what's the old version when they used like karate and stuff like the sensei, he was like the, he looked like the sensei to the to McVeigh's youthfulness. Today I kind of felt like that. Yeah. The first time, the Rams, especially on offense, I, I want to start with the offensive side of the ball. It was like the first time the Rams' offense that is, I was looking like they don't know what to do with you guys. They really don't know. They're trying to run it. They can't. Like Daryl Henderson was like cool but not great. You know. Ended up getting hurt. There's like, oh, they're trying all this play action, bootleg stuff to get the ball in like the playmaker's hands. Nope. Ain't working. Ain't working. Cooper Cup had a bunch of catches, but like nothing longer than like 12 yards. It was a bunch of like underneath stuff that moved the chains, which is yeah. good. But nothing like we're like, damn. There's a deep threat. There was no worry for that, really. Nothing. Actually, could, not, a, not really. There was not a worry at all. Excuse me. The longest pass play I think they had was 26 yards, and it was a it was like a hitch. To Josh Reynolds. That Shaq missed the tackle on. Yep. And then Josh. So it wasn't even like they pushed that down the field. I don't have his. I don't have Jared Goff's air yards per attempt uh, on me right now, but I'm pretty sure it was crappy. Like, this was really the first game, I think, where Jared Goff looked like Jared Goff, who he actually is. Exactly. I feel like he got paid just by playing the Seahawks. Like, when he went, I don't know, I forget the GM, the GM of the Rams, Les Snead maybe. Uh, I feel like when Jared Goff's agent went in there to negotiate the deal, he only showed them statistics versus the Seahawks. He was like, look, 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 <laughs> my client can beat Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is the best coach in the division. Pay my client. And then he was like, you know, let me rub my chin. Okay. There's something to that. Like, we just got <laughs> to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, let's, you know, I, I, there's something to that. Uh, but, like, otherwise, this dude is a scrub. It <laughs> changes when the defense knows exactly what you want to do and he's one-dimensional. And you mentioned his air yards, and you're, you're not sure exactly what it may be, but for the most I'm part— I'm pretty sure it was very low. But what we saw from the game, there was no deep threat. No. The Seahawks, sure, you can dump it. They have to make the tackle— Shaq missed on a play and gave up a 26-yard passing play to Josh Reynolds. Outside of that, the longest play was Higby for 22 yards. There really wasn't any threat downfield. And, again, this is underneath stuff, too. Like, nothing over nobody's head or nothing like that. Like Yeah, it, Goff, I don't think, can throw over 30 yards. I, I mean, mean, he can do it. But it's not going to be accurate, it, especially with the pressure that he was getting today from the Seahawks. They were getting after him. He He just didn't look comfortable. Yeah, and that's so, a product to. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. That's a product to what you talked about with Pete. Just I gotta beat this guy. I gotta beat McVay somehow, some way. And the Seahawks defense, Ken Norton involved as well, came out prepared and had a great game plan. Keep everything in front of you and make the play. And that's what they were able to do. Yeah. So I think uh, I think it was Ben Baldwin who asked on to shout out to Ben, really great dude. Um, 
he asked on Twitter, I want to say like yesterday or Friday or something like that, who's like, the chances are that no matter what happens in Rams Seahawks on Sunday, they're going to play each other again in the three versus the six, um, which in with neither team having like, they have like relatively similar like weather conditions or not that impactful weather conditions. And they, uh, you know, neither team's having fans. So there's probably not much of an impact. Does the game really matter? And I was like, I get where he's coming from. Right. Because a lot of people kind of felt like that, too. Like, I mean, if we're going to play these guys again, does it really matter? Right. If we can just also just win the division or something next week or something like that. And I, my main argument, but beyond where they could potentially go or get the one seed or two seed or whatever, beyond that stuff, my main argument was always Pete needs to beat this dude because otherwise he's in his head. Yeah. Like, I think we, we looked up the point differentials. Entering this week, like negative fifty eight. Yeah. So even after beating McVeigh today, Pete's still minus forty seven <laughs> against the Rams since twenty seventeen. That he been getting his ass kicked. It ain't just losses here. And I think if they had lost again, a second straight year with the division championship on the line at the crib. I know they didn't have fans here, but still, still. You can't ask for nothing more than organization to say, "Hey, it's the last week or two of the season. We can win a division." At home. Yeah. Every team in the league will take that. I don't care if you got uh, a million fans or just a mascot in there <laughs> like they did today. I'm very, I swear, no one would uh, like piss away the opportunity. So, like, to choke away two of those in back to back years, that's not a championship team. Like, I understand that the four seed in the NFC is going to be so trash that, like, it's either going to be quarterbacked by, like, strip club Dwayne Haskins. Whoever played today, Daniel Jones or Andy Dalton, and that doesn't incite any fear in anyone. I understand that. So maybe the five seed is a bit more attractive than the than the, the three seed might be. But it was just the how they were going to have to get there. Getting the six or getting the five would have required losing a home game with the division on the line to a dude that's been kicking your ass. <laughs> <laughs> this game mattered a lot if for no other reason for that. That right there. And I think K.J. Wright said it after the game. Someone asked about that specific part of the victory. And he was like, yeah, it feels like this team is in our way every year. Like we had to figure them out. And they did. And because it looked the way it did, it's even better. But honestly, if they did, it didn't really matter to me how they did it. They just needed to walk away from a game and be like, yo, we beat these guys. Final freaking league, we knocked off. I know they're not like the defending champs or nothing, but – the Rams games have always felt different than the Niners games in that, like, figuring out Shanahan hasn't been as difficult. I know they played with Nick Mullins a couple times. Figuring out McVay has been quite the conundrum, and Pete Carroll just chewing the hell out that gum. It's each been week, the thorn trying to figure it out. in his side for, for years, and this victory, it was done in a way where you wanted the defense to really make things difficult for that offense, and ultimately they did. I mean, the way that they won it, it was poetic. This is what you wanted. Last season, they lose on not even the half-yard line this year. Like a few blades of grass away yeah. from it. Like I said, I don't have grass. It's turf. Turf. But you know what I mean. It's the same. Our same turf is, is turf in blades? Is it blades of turf? Technically, yeah. Yeah, sure. So a few blades of turf away from beating the Niners and last year. This year, a touchdown sealed the deal. And the defense stepped up today a couple of times, whether it be Jamal Adams you know, making a game, a huge tackle just to – not even give up that touchdown. I mean, he gave it all there, and he he was saying, "I'm not, I'm gonna give it all here. I'm gonna try to make a play." And I was able to stop him short. Defense held up. They went for it. Stopped them there. Offense got the ball back. 
that's what you want out of the defense. Because there are times where you're thinking, damn, if the Rams get a touchdown here, this is this is going to be tough for Pete. How is he going to do it? And things were rolling this their way. Guy muffs a punt. That worked out. Or fumbles on the punt return. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. perfect. Everything was just rolling the Seahawks' way, and ultimately they took advantage of those opportunities and made the best. I'm sure Russ missed a few passes here and there on the offensive end or almost threw a pick, which would have changed the whole dynamic of this game had that guy actually caught it. But DBs have hands like feet for the most part, and ultimately the Seahawks were able to counteract that, and they came out with a huge victory today on the, Sunday. Yeah, I think the uh, the two each team dropped a pick, so it kind of balances out. Yeah, poor Jamal, man. He's got a couple broken fingers. So, I said poor Jamal. It's unfortunate. Yeah, Broken it, fingers, and he doesn't want to make excuses, but you should, you should still catch it. Like I couldn't should. imagine having broken fingers and trying to catch anything. No, I mean, it's it's hard to do so. I can't but even. I think he should do it. I can't even play basketball with a jam finger. Yeah, Salute no, to him. I, yeah, I th- <laughs> he should do it. I think he should still be able to do it. But, yeah, so I think, yeah, Russ almost threw a pick, which may have been a pick six. It might have been might have been bad. changed the whole conversation. Yeah, here. and then Jamal dropped a pick, too. It might balances out uh, a little bit. But, yeah, the offense, too. Here's the thing about the offense today, because I think they needed to kind of figure out that as well, because, like I said, Russ was pretty bad yeah, um, in the first game against them. Week two. It's probably one of the worst games I've seen Russ play relative to the competition. It was pretty bad. Um, the Giants game was also bad this year. Russ had some stinkers. It's been very, very weird uh, to just be – it because in those games – did he even throw a touchdown? I can't can't even remember. I know he didn't against the Rams, so that that was bad. But I think today the shots were there downfield. I think they weren't just completely taken away. Hitting them is the next step, obviously. Like I'm not the gonna only make one excuses. He had was to D more. Yeah, but see, like he still had because what happened in the first one against the Rams, they weren't even there. He took like one deep shot. I think no, he took two. I think he took two. Um, Maybe two and a half, depending on how you feel about the one he threw to Tyler in triple coverage in Week Ten. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, but he took he took one to Tyler, I think that he missed in Week Ten, and he took one to DK uh, that he missed in Week Ten. And I think this week, yeah, he had the one to Demo, he, he had the one to DK, yeah, he, he missed. missed. DK, yep. He had the one to, like we'll get into the offense a little bit later too. But I think that the shot, the the fact that the shots are still there, I think both of those guys were open too. Like it was like the triple coverage one to lock it was just come on. Last week ten, that was just yeah, that was that was not good. The other one he he missed to lock it. He missed because Aaron Donald was slapping him in the face, and that'll that'll change things. That'll, that'll throw you off a little bit. But in general, I think the shots the shots were there, and honestly, it found it just found enough to win. Too like I never expected Russ. I I, I wrote before the game that he had to be like MVP Russ to for them to win. Cause I thought Golf would play a lot better because I'd never seen him suck against the the Seahawks really. But if Golf's gonna look like that. You all you got to do is do just enough if you're Russ against this particular defense. The main thing I think that was most problematic on uh, on offense was all the sacks Russ took. Like there was a couple of times where he just ran into the dude <laughs> about to sack him, and I was like, "Hey, bro, what you you good?" Like one of them, one of them, he dropped back was like third down, dropped back and just ran straight into like Leonard Floyd. I'm like, "Hold on, bro, you know he's supposed to run away from these dudes." Like, you okay? He didn't see it. He I don't know what he thought. But he it thought didn't work out. He thought get the hell out of there, and it was just like, no, you ran into right trouble. To him, I was yeah. like, okay, you 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 tripping there. Like long term, there may be like the the hmm, the jury may still be out on whether they figured out the defensive side of the ball. But I am a bit more confident in that, just because, especially with the way they were on third down in the second in the second half, they were trash in third down in the first half, and I was like, oh, it's gonna be one of them games. And in the second half, they were just money on third downs, hitting DK, hitting Tyler. I think Greg Olson had one, maybe Carlos Hyde had one. Like they were just finding ways to get the ball 
uh, across the sticks. Like one of them, even they threw that short of the sticks. DK was like, "I'm gonna run through this linebacker today." Physicality, and, and that's it. And when DK just plows himself through a linebacker, man, that's some. It's gonna be a long day. So I thought, um, I thought that was really encouraging too. Like this, the third down numbers are a sign that you like you're moving the ball pretty well. Like it still wasn't as great as what I saw from the defense, but. The fact that they got it done, again, I can't really overstate. Like, it was going to be a problem. Like, I was probably going to write some heat. Uh, like, if they – uh, it would have been very similar to after the last time I covered an Apple Cup, Mike Leach got his doors blown off again by Chris Peterson. And I would just – I just – I wrote something. It was like – it was vicious. I was like, Mike, he owns you. Like, he really owns you. Like, you can't do nothing with this man. He is whooping your ass every game. You have no adjustments. You can't do anything. You're screwed. Um, that I can't remember what year. It might have been after the 2016 or something like that. 2017 Apple Cup or something maybe. I was gonna do something very similar with Pete if he did that. But I don't have to. The good news is, yeah, you don't have to. Smoke cigars if we want. <laughs> I yeah, can, I can get us some if you want me to. I think we could take the picture of you just maybe blowing the smoke. That'd that is hard. a cool. Is that, is that? I think Jamal was trying to get. A, I don't have the obviously video on the podcast, but the video is probably floating out there of Jamal lighting it. During the the post game, absolutely, and I think that he's a uh, because I feel like we've had a couple of those just this year alone with Joe Burrow. He had the pick after they LSU won the national championship, and then LeBron had the one after they won the NBA uh, finals this year. I feel like Jamal wanted his moment too because he brought who brings a lighter and a cigar to a Zoom, right? Like he's ready. He knew he knew he was he's smart. He can market. He can market. He a earned bit. it, man. If they <laughs> how about if we if if they uh if they get to the Super Bowl, if they win the NFC championship. I'll smoke a cigar and we can we can recreate Promote that. It. We can recreate that. Yeah, we need some like cigar company to give us some free cigars so we could do that. <laughs> I know you don't smoke. I only really smoke cigars, but I'll smoke one for the purposes of this discussion. I'm not mad at it. That would be pretty fun and entertaining. But the big the biggest point is the Seahawks handled the handled business as they should have. And Pete, he gets to say, "I got it done. I beat a guy that has had my number. It feels good." But now we got to worry about our next opponent. And move forward and get ready for the postseason push. And if we have to face the Rams again, we know what we gotta do to beat them. Yeah, and and also, I mean, we talked a little bit about Pete last last week too when they clinched a, a playoff berth for like the umpteenth time since he's been the head coach. Won a division again. Yeah, that's huge. Won the division. You're not gonna win the Super Bowl unless you win a division. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without I'm sh- getting the division title. If if any if any year it was going to happen, it would probably be this one because home field advantage is basically non-existent. I don't think anyone in the NFC does anyone in the NFC have fans? I don't think so. Does Philly? I think Tampa might have a couple. Oh yeah, it's think, Florida. Florida I think, definitely. I think, I think is they violent. have eleven thousand can be there spaced out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, about it. But even then, is that's not. Close to fifty thousand screaming and yelling. Yeah, it might th- make a little difference. I don't know. But. I don't think it's tipping the skills too much in favor of the home team enough to like really matter on the scoreboard. So yeah, if it, if you could win a division or lose a division and still make the Super Bowl, this would probably be the be the year to do it. But in general, that's why that's every team's goal to start. It's just like okay, let's win our division, and then we'll take care of the rest after that. These guys, I would still say the NFC West was probably the hardest division in football. Um, there's a an argument for the AFC North uh, this year because I would think they would, they got three teams with Steelers, double digit wins: Cleveland and Baltimore. Ba- yeah, I mean that's a that's a tough division. That is also yeah a, a tough division. This is definitely the toughest one in the NFC for sure. I, I would, would argue the NFL, as you just pointed yeah, out. Yeah, the AFC North argument is is pretty good too. That many teams with double digit wins is pretty impressive. Whereas the NFC West could end up with 
only one team with yeah. double digit with double digit wins, which wouldn't which wouldn't be great. Um, but in either way, like this, with to win the division and get that out the way, that that anyone who has like doubts about Pete or whatever who wants him up out the paint. Or even Norton, for that matter, or Shoddy. Everyone, they want everyone fired, right? <laughs> I swear, there's like a pocket of the fan base that want somebody fired, and losses. That is for sure. I mean, even in like close wins, wins, yeah. It depends. It depends on how that side of the ball looked. Every time the defense looks bad, get get Norton about the paint. Thankfully, they ain't look bad. To be honest, and wow, we haven't heard. Via, I don't know if you've gotten any mentions or DMs about Nor- Norton, but it's been pretty quiet. There hasn't been any people saying get him out of here. After that, once they've had that meeting and figured yeah, things yeah, yeah. out, I'm, the defense has really found their groove. Guys are healthy for the most part, and they're playing as a unit. They're getting the job done. Unfortunately, Jamal didn't get a sack on Sunday, but he has an opportunity again. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought it would be really hard for Jamal to get one just based on how often they do um, – the bootlegs and stuff, yeah, and like how the protection, extra protection in there. Yeah, he got they, he got he got in there once, but Goff got it off pretty quickly. Yeah, blew no. up the tight end. Yeah, <laughs> so it's uh, I knew that would be a, a little tough, but yeah, no. Ken Norton has having the equivalent of um, the Kirk Cousins. You like that mm. joint? That is what Norton's been doing for like the last like six weeks. Yeah, after every game, he walking out there like even if they lost, like when they lost the Giants, like the defense played great. Uh, <laughs> He was yeah. Gave up ten points. Yeah, it's like, you like that? You like that? I bet you Norton talks so much trash after they went behind the Can scenes. Can you blame him? Talking about us as like media or whatever. I thought it was funny today. We're gonna get into the questions too, but I thought it was funny today that I'm pretty sure Pete. I know Pete referenced it specifically, and I want to say Jamal might have as well. They basically said like, yeah, earlier in the year everyone had these numbers saying we were trash, but look at us now, as if like the numbers weren't. God clearly awful. right like <laughs> it wasn't like we was just pulling just random little obscure you know how espn do the stats and info they'd be like yo this is the first time someone scored this many amount of points with a left hand on the third thursday of a month no 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 we was looking up basic shit bro it was like yo your your epa is bad your um your passing yards allowed is bad your points per game is bad they were doing all the bad things yeah we were just pointing out they were bad yeah, 500 yards a game for the first yeah. eight and a half, eight weeks, eight nine uh, weeks, teams were just lighting them up, throwing it through the air, you know, and then the the, the, the they didn't Vikings, want to run the ball. The Vikings <laughs> ran all over them, you know, <laughs> like it was it was bad. Like we weren't just cherry picking numbers to try to build a narrative. No, the defense was trash. We watched the games. We have the numbers. Oh, there's clearly an issue. It's on the defensive side. Yeah, they had the meeting. They figured it out. They go up against an offense that isn't great, but it's pretty darn good, and they shut it down completely. No touchdowns. That's what you want to see. Jamal said he thinks they have, and this is before, this isn't necessarily relevant to this game in particular. But he did say today that he thinks they have the best defense in the league right now. And then you asked Quandre the same question, and what did Quandre say? Mike? I said, "Do they have a championship caliber defense?" And I meant to ask the question to KJ, and it's not a slight to Quandre, who has five picks now. It was great, yep. great for Quandre, made the Pro Bowl. Shout out to Quandre. I uh, had him on the show before. Uh, I just. Quandre hasn't played in a championship de- defense that's won a he's championship. For sure. So, like, even if he thought that, like, I don't think that's the question I can necessarily pose to him. It's better for a KJ or a Bobby to someone like, you've played on a defense that literally won a championship. Does this match what you've you've seen? So that's why I, it was weird. But what what do you think about Jamal's claim that right now the Seahawks are the best defense in the league? Well, you got to look at it from his standpoint as – what he's been able to do, and how the defense has turned it around. In his head, no one's going to get anything past them guys. 
He believes in DJ Reed outside. He likes what Shaq brings. His comments were coming from a guy that hasn't been there yet. He talked about it last week. He was usually preparing for vacation. He has his first NFC West championship. He has a title now. He has something to play for. And the way this team has been playing these last few weeks defensively, he has every right to feel that way. What they did against the Rams today was pretty damn impressive. But what do you think? I think he's tripping just a little bit. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to get to. That's one of your thoughts. On I, that. I was getting there, but I just want to give him a shout out because he's really come from a team that hasn't done anything. <laughs> no, and well, and, and like since like you're saying, since he came back into this lineup, yeah, they've been playing. They've fine. been playing really well outside of the Buffalo. And game. he should be that confident. Who am I to say you're wrong? He's out there doing it. He is has every right to that opinion, but personally, what I'm seeing, I just don't think they're the best defense. Now, they can prove it. Do it again against the Niners. They shouldn't score a touchdown. That it has to continue. Yeah, because who are they starting? Probably gonna be Nick Mullins. No, no, he's out. He has like he needs elbow surgery. It's to whoever just started the other day. C.J. Beathard. Oh, our favorite guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. His name look. It's really weird. There's a couple names. So young. I, his name is Young Way Koo. Right. I don't know oh, if people the know kicker, that. Yeah, yeah for it's the not. Falcons. It's not how it looks. Not at all. And CJ's name. Same way. CJ's name looks like his last name would be Beat Hard, but it's Bethard. Uh, it makes just, no sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know how, if, whether it makes sense or not. It just <laughs> threw me off. Like when we had Tori on here, and she was like, "Yeah, she was calling him Young Way." I was like, "Wait, his name's what now?" Time but I was like, "It makes actually sense. It wouldn't be, yeah, what we what we thought." To I don't I don't think Seattle has the best defense right now either. Um, I think though, they're top five. That helps. Uh. Yeah, probably. They do. I bet you one of the, the, the thing that uh, Jamal will probably point to right now is that they lead the league in points per game allowed since that Rams game. So since week 10. That's perfect. Uh, That's what 15, you want. 15 points. This is before New England and Buffalo play on Monday night. And they've, I mean, in terms of the pass rush, which is probably also what he's looking at. Uh, they're the, leading the league in sacks. They are tied for the lead league in okay, sacks tied, okay. since uh, for, from week 10 to week 16. So basically, after the Buffalo game, when they plucked Quentin Dunbar out, yeah, um, and then had more of their guys back, they and they didn't even have Shaq in the that that first Rams game, they have 24 sacks, which is tied for the league league with the Rams and the Cardinals. So that does that's not the end all be all. There's still other numbers, third down numbers, turnovers, uh, forced just yards per play. There's other numbers to measure, but I bet you those are some of the ones that he's looking at. Like yo. Teams aren't scoring on us. Yeah. They've had a few games where they haven't allowed a touchdown. Yep. Which is really hard to do in the NFL. <laughs> Yo, speaking of that, the Jets game looks a lot different now. The Jets then went back-to-back games after uh, getting smoked by the Seahawks. Maybe the Jets aren't what we thought. They didn't beat. No, for real. I'm not even joking. But And it's not that the Jets just beat other scrubs. The Jets beat two teams who are probably going to be in the playoffs. Like, that is... Because they beat the Browns, right? Beat the Rams and the Browns. Yeah, beat back the Rams and the Browns. That's two teams that are probably going to be in the postseason. Jared Goff's broken thumb may keep the Rams out, but at the time that the Jets team, the Rams team that the Jets beat is a playoff team. Correct. Yeah, with golf, without golf, I don't know, but like maybe the maybe the Jets ain't as bad as we thought. Now I don't. I'm with you. They're probably like top three, five-ish. They're in the conversation. There's some good defense. The Steelers' defense is still good. Like, that defense is probably... Their offense is just struggling. The, <laughs> yeah, their offense... Their quarterback's old. Uh, let's see, the Saints' defense... The solid. Is, is still really, really, really solid. So, yeah, there's some... But, yeah, what the what the Seahawks are doing, man, it is... Special. It's worth lighting up a cigar. I will <laughs> I will say that, especially for someone like Jamal, if you're only looking at it from the view... Not only looking at it from, but looking at it primarily from the view, like, when I came back... 
we started wrecking it. <laughs> like that's yes. that's what it was, you know. So I can, I can feel him on that. I I wouldn't agree. Like I'd probably be in the Quandre mode. Like yo, we're getting there. Yeah, and I think that's the safe bet. We're getting there. You don't want to put all that noise out there. And he, he said, I don't care what you say. You know what you say, how you do it. I feel like we are the best right now. You should feel that way. Yeah. No. I mean, and you look at the talent they have too. That's probably where the strongest argument comes in. Uh, because what they had, Bobby made the Pro Bowl, Quandre made the Pro Bowl, and Jamal made the Pro Bowl. So you got three Pro Bowlers on defense too. You're gonna look around the room and be like, "Yo, we're nasty." Yeah, we're 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 doing the thing. Shaq's not having a Pro Bowl year, but he has been in it. Uh, Jay Reed now has what like six and a half sacks or something like that. Like, there's some there's some reason to believe. And KJ's having a Pro Bowl caliber year. If KJ was an inside linebacker, he'd have a legit argument. The problem is. He's listed as an outside linebacker, and when you're a 4-3 outside linebacker, you basically have no shot of making the Pro Bowl because you're against 3-4 outside linebackers, guys like Khalil Mack. I think the three NFC linebackers um, are in the Pro Bowl are Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, and um, Tampa dude, um, 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 JPP. KJ's not getting in over those dudes because those dudes get sacks. Sacks yep. get you in the Pro Bowl uh, for the most part. So, like, they... If you're in the Seahawks locker room, you're probably looking around like, yo, we got some, he's a dude, okay, he can ball, okay, you know what, Russ said today they got the two best safeties in the league right now, there's a strong argument for that, like, they might be, might be on to something. <laughs> yeah. I will say this, and this, by the time everyone's listening to the podcast, they will have known that I wrote this argument this morning in my morning after column on The Athletic, I do think they have a championship caliber defense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whether it's the best one is largely irrelevant. They have a championship caliber one, I think. They're playing disciplined. They're communicating. They got veterans. And it's very, very hard to score on them. They're making it difficult, man. Yeah, and they're in position. Like, one of these games is probably going to be a playoff game or the Niners game coming up. They're just going to have so many turnovers in one game. I know. Game. I, to be honest, I thought it was going to be today. I mean, look at today. Like, they've Goff fumbles on the one. Um, they have uh, have a punt. 
Almost uh, have an interception there. Uh, yeah, they drop an interception. Like there's there's gonna be one of these games where it just all clicks. Like the ball bounces there when a fumble, a batted ball. Like one of uh, KJ batted a ball today. Yeah, that, that was went almost that went. It, well, it, it wasn't even almost caught, but like there's gonna have one of those that is. Yeah, you know, like like the one rushed through against Washington. Uh. you know it. There's it's so random what happens on those. Sometimes it lands right in your lap. Sometimes it just goes backwards. Sometimes it goes straight down. You never know. They're going to have a game, one of these games, maybe, like I said, maybe in the postseason, maybe against C.J. Beathard, where <laughs> they just have so many turnovers because they, they're in the position. They're definitely in the position, like, to get it. And I think that's cha- they have a championship-caliber defense. They do. They do. Will they win a championship? I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell. We'll it see. We'll came see. up on us quick. Yeah, we'll see if I'm smoking a cigar here in a month 2021. or so. <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, dang, it is almost the new year, huh? No, that is, yeah, that's that's crazy. Ready yeah. to these questions, man? We got quite a few. Uh, yeah. No, let's uh let's roll through them. Well, thank you again, of course, you guys for taking the time to ask us questions. We really appreciate it. But let's get rolling. The defense was an abomination through Buffalo game, but Russ was doing MVP things. Should we all grovel at Pete Carroll and company's feet for turning the de- defense around? Keep killing it. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much to put on the coaching staff in particular on the defensive turnaround because they were. They were also at fault, I would presume, for why it was trash. Right? Like, it's it's both. You know, like, if... Damn, I'm trying to think of a relationship analogy, but I'll pivot away from that. But basically, like, if... I can't think of something, an analogy at the top of my head. But, like, if... if let's say that Pete's the reason that the defense sucked through nine weeks, and then he's also the reason that it's great through the next seven weeks how much credit do you give for one and how much fault do you give for the other, right? Like, same, you can apply that to Norton or whoever you want to do. Um, I do think there's just a level of credit probably across the board. Norton probably deserves some. Pete deserves some. Bobby, Quandre, guys getting healthy. Um, DJ Reed, perhaps, just like, trying <laughs> what he's done over the last, like, a few few weeks since he basically just got the starting job back and ain't giving it up so yeah it's probably i don't the credit the defensive credit pie slice it up a few different ways probably uh but i wouldn't just give it all to the coaching staff because it has to be some level of accountability for why they was trash in the first place because they was getting lit up bro he was there it was getting it was it was bad it wasn't was getting, pretty he was getting lit up by whoever uh they played like josh allen looked like the mvp of the league <laughs> uh against them so yeah no nah, that's uh everyone gets a little credit but all, everyone also has to be held accountable for how it looked in the first nine weeks. Could Pete win Coach of the Year considering how the Steelers have struggled recently and how the Seahawks have both turned it around on defense and handled the coronavirus? Uh, I don't think the, the, the virus would matter too much. Um, but I do think – I don't think he has a shot at Coach of the Year either. Coach of the Year is really weird because we don't ever want to give – I don't have a vote for what it's worth. But we don't ever give it to the coach who has like the – it's not always the coach who has the best record. A lot of the time, it's the coach who has the best record with the team that we thought would be the least like successful. So this year, well, the Steelers were on the right to it this year because they hadn't lost, and they just melted down, and they Juju just started dancing on fields, and it started bugging people. <laughs> um, but I think the Browns coach, uh, Stefanski, was probably on his way to winning it. He probably still will win it if they get to 11 wins or whatever cause, because people thought the Browns would stink, and they don't. Um, but probably, I think, I would vote for Andy Reid because his team's probably going to win 15 freaking games. Insane. Yeah, so that's probably should be the coach. And then, if not him, I would guess that the Buffalo coach, McDermott, McDermott will probably win. I don't think Pete has a shot. I don't think the uh, postseason 
accolades are going to be really uh, abundant uh, for a plenty, maybe is the word I want to use. Abundant, a plenty, one of those. Um, I think the only thing you're looking at is probably an all pro nod for Bobby. That's probably it. Will the Seahawks get the Jamal Adams extension done this offseason or let it play out one more year? No, I wouldn't let it play out a year. Then you really don't have any leverage. Um, yeah, get it. I would get it done. That honestly probably would be one of the first things I do. I like extend Jamal, try to get ahead of the safety market. I don't know what other safeties they'd be competing against, but yeah, get ahead of that. I think they could manipulate that where it frees up some cap space this year, actually, by extending Jamal and pushing some of that money out into future years, 2022 and beyond. Because, yeah, that's a, that's a, I mean, look at this dude. Like, you have to pay this guy. He matters so much for that defense. He really do be looking like the best player in the field sometimes. I don't know about this game in particular, um, but, like, every once in a while, I mean, the position he was in on that tight end uh, seam route where he dropped the pick, like, just being there. That's what you're supposed to be. When he chased down Daryl Henderson from the backside of the play on the goal line to save a touchdown on the uh, on a sequence where they eventually hold them out of the end zone, you got to pay for stuff like that. Also, not in half sacks. <laughs> there it is. Do you think Bobby Wagner is worth the money? Wow. How do we get here? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think part of the reason for the turnaround is the communication and the accountability on defense. And that starts with your captain. You got to have a solid captain because they only have one on defense. Some teams have multiple, but on defense, uh, they usually do one special teams, one offense, one defense here in Seattle. And Bobby is definitely, definitely. Again, he's probably going to be all pro uh, this year. Like if all, if you're all pro, it probably means you're the best linebacker in the league. And Bobby's been pretty elite. And there's just moments that even if he doesn't make the play, he puts the right guy in the position to make the play. Like Bingo. he makes the check that leads to the TFL. He makes the check that leads to the line slanting the right way so that they can blow up, you know, the play. I think the Patriots game was a good example. Where, Cam Newton. Yeah, yep. where Bobby, they, you know, Bobby tells everybody the play is going to our right. So let's just slide the line that way. What do you know? Play goes to the right. Blow it up. Win the game. Like. Stuff like that. Bobby's mind is so valuable. He's one of those dudes you can't really trick. Like, he knows... If you go watch um, Bobby's top 100 uh, part in the top 100 players this past season, he there's a play he makes against the Niners. He tackles them, and he just yells. He's screaming like, we know where y'all plays is going. We know where y'all plays is going. That matters. Because the defense is in such a reactionary position all the time, and it makes them a, a step slower than the offense, naturally. They don't know where the offense is going. If you do know where they're going... You lead the league in scoring defense the last seven weeks. <laughs> Does this game make the Seahawks seem like real contenders? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because this is how a playoff game would look. Like, I mean, I've only covered... How many playoff guys have I covered? One, two, three. So, they've all kind of looked like this. The Packers game got a little out of hand. But for the most part, they're like really intense, high-pressure, third-down success. Um that you need to have. And if you fail on third down, you're probably going to lose. Um, just maximizing opportunities, clutch drives, just like really just big moments. Like it felt like there were some big moments today. Like that timeout before the Jacob Hollister touchdown, big moment. Yep. Because I was kind of feeling like if they have to settle for three, because it would have been a bit, what, 19 to, it would have been 16 to nine. So the Rams could have just tied it. We could have got overtime. It could have been like, ugh, it's tricky. Um, there's just big, it felt like a playoff game. Today kind of was, really, because I thought if they get the, if they don't win the division, they weren't going to win the Super Bowl, like we said. And they grinded that one out in a kind of a, a messy, not-too-glamorous way, which is kind of how you get it done in the playoffs, unless you're the Chiefs. Did this game make y'all more excited 
or confident about the playoff run ahead? Yeah, that's uh, to piggyback off that more, for sure. I really, honestly, I knew their season was over last year when they lost to the Niners. I thought I was like, it's done. This is, you're not gonna go from the whether the five seed to Super Bowl. No, over. I would have felt the same way if they'd have lost today. However, the only difference would have been that they could have still won a division by beating the Niners in Week 17. They would have just needed the Rams to lose. Entering into this game, I did not feel good about that happening. If Jared Goff's thumb is broken, then obviously they are probably going to lose to Arizona in Week 17. So maybe their season wouldn't have entirely been over, but it's like we opened the show with. If you just choke away the division two years in a row, I just stop believing in you. You know, like if That's I say, fair. if I tell you to meet me here somewhere at seven and you and you, and you don't show up, and then next time I ask you somewhere meet me somewhere at eight and you don't show up, if I tell you to meet me somewhere at nine, I'm just gonna assume you're not coming. You know, like I'm just gonna stop believing in you, and that's what I would have been in if they had lost this one. How can the Seahawks go far in the postseason? That's probably the best analogy I've had on the show. I've been dropping the ball on analogies. <laughs> I've been trying to do relationship ones, and they just haven't been uh, coming up. My bad. Can you read that one again? No, you're good. How can the Hawks go far in the postseason? Russ and DK got to figure this explosive pass thing out. That's like, and Tyler too, man. I think somebody has a question about him that we'll get to. You see how much a big explosive play changes everything, especially in the playoffs, right? You just see it. This was a playoff game, essentially, I felt like. So what happens when they're not hitting with the play to Tyler? What happens when they didn't hit the play to DK? You just feel like, man, what's wrong with our offense? What's wrong with our offense? What's wrong with our offense? Then they hit the big one to Demo. Oh, the offense is fixed. What happened as soon as they got the explosive play to Demo? Touchdown. Four plays later or something like that. When you get those big plays, it leads to points. And I don't think the matchup went super great for DK against Jalen Ramsey today. The good news is there ain't nobody in the NFC as good as DK in the playoffs. However, there are good corners. Patrick Peterson, if he gets in, is solid. Um, Marshawn Lattimore in New Orleans, solid. Jair Alexander, uh, Jair Alexander is a monster, so that could be a problem um, in the postseason. So they need to figure out how to manufacture explosive plays, regardless of who is guarding DK or who is guarding Tyler. If they can do that, because you'll need maybe like two or three per game to win, I think, because that's why the Chiefs are so deadly. You can be holding them, and then next thing you know, Tyreek Hill gets you for a fifty-yarder, or McColl Hardman, or whoever gets you for a big one, and then now the game is turned. So I think if they can get that figured out, because the defense is solid, like we just said. If they can get that part figured out in particular, I don't even think they need to run the ball that well. You need to be able to throw the ball downfield a couple times a game and connect. If you do, it's going to be really, really, really hard to stop these guys, especially because they have a really good red zone offense. Like, you just got to get into the red zone, and a lot of times that requires a big chunk play like they got today with Demo. Why have the Hawks struggled against Sean McVay and even Jeff Fisher? So I didn't cover the Jeff Fisher teams um, at all, really. Um, so I don't I don't know the specifics of those. I really don't. It's the same thing. I don't know why Bruce Arians kept coming in here with scrubs and winning. <laughs> it was very, like it just I, it feels like just division rival variants. I guess like this is how division rivals should look. What the Patriots were doing is like an outlier. Oh my gosh. People, teams <laughs> should like sneak in wins against you because they're so familiar. But I can speak to the McVay thing. Here's a short version of why McVay is so good at beating lots of people, but Pete in particular, I think. I think what McVay figures out is where he understands, at least on defense, he understands what your defensive principles are and figures out ways to put your defensive players in 
conflicting positions. Not necessarily get them to make mistakes, but like, Chris, you know, we play a lot. In defense, you, you're reading a lot of things. You're reading either, you know, you're reading the tackle or the tight end or the whatever, the receive, one, the one receiver or the two, whatever. You're reading things. And you have your principles and you have your responsibility in any given play, whether you're the hook guy or the curl guy, whether you're the flat dude, the buzz guy, whatever, um, whether you a certain gap. He figures that out and makes it just really hard for you to do everything. Like, And I think in particular, I think that's happened with the linebackers a lot because they have to read their run keys because they, they had Todd Gurley. Right, so Monster. you got to you start there with Todd, and then you have them running horizontally against Higbees and Gerald Everett's and stuff like that, and that's just hard to do both really well, consistently. So that's why, Chris, if you notice, after every Rams game that they lost, we get questions about KJ and we get questions about Bobby, because they were Sean would put them in, they would have he would have man beaters or zone beaters that really stretched out the underneath coverage a lot, and I think. He's really good. McVay's good, or excuse me, Shanahan is good at that too. Honestly, most offensive coaches are good at things like that. But I think that in particular, putting, understanding Pete's principles and understanding how to put those guys in conflicting situations, uh, was he was doing that really, really, really well. I think Bobby mentioned that as well on me and Kimes podcast this off season. Like those, Cliff Kingsbury does this as well. Shanahan, they just figure out, okay, you guys run this. Okay, this is your responsibility in that. Well, here's how we're going to throw that all out of whack and get you thinking and running slower than you usually do and then beat you. That's what McVay is super good at. Who is more important to re-sign, Chris Carson or Shaquille Griffin? I, I'm going to go with Shaq. I don't I don't want to say that to say that like Shaq's a better player than Chris or one way or the other. I honestly don't, don't know. I know Shaq plays a more important position, so that's A. And I don't think they're equipped to replace Shaq as easily as they can Chris. It's not easy to replace either guy. However, it is much easier to replace a running back than it is in uh, a number one corner. That's just bit, like they could go draft. I think I've said this on the show before. If you were a GM and you only just drafted the the next dude from Wisconsin every four years, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, for real, you'd be you'd get like James White, Melvin Gordon. Uh, what's the dude the Colts have now? Um, Jonathan Taylor. You would just quite literally be drafting like a stud. Every I'm missing a um a running back in there too. Uh dang, that's gonna bug me. But like you're you're basically drafting a stud like every year. If you only or if you only drafted the next guy from Bama, <laughs> like you'd always have a dude. So you can always just go to the draft. I mean, look at the Rams today. Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are their are their running backs this year. None of those guys are like first round picks making big money like Gurley like you can just replace your running back whereas when you lose corners it's a lot it's finding what they have in DJ Reed is damn near impossible gold you usually have to spend a premium to get those type of players whereas you don't have to do that to replace Chris will Penny Rashad Penny that is be a difference maker this postseason with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's a good question. I don't know. If he breaks a big play, because that's where he is really, he has that potential. Like, he is really, really fast. Like, if he, like his, uh, his run against... He's got a couple that I'll use as an example. He has the, the big one against Philly last year. Remember that? He ran for like 60-yard touchdown. He has one against the Steelers in week two of last year. And then he has one, I believe it's against the Vikings, where he reverses field and ends up picking up like 30 or 40 yards. might have been against the Packers, actually. It was a primetime game. I do remember that. He can do that type of stuff. I mean, hell, he was a kick returner. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's got the home run potential. Exactly. And I, like we just talked about, if you can get the explosives, it doesn't have to be in the pass game. Uh, but if you can get the big one, that home run ball, then your team can win. Rashad is probably best equipped to deliver that out of any running back. The problem is he needs a lot more opportunities to do it. He's not going to, if you give him four carries, one of them ain't going to be for 50 yards. He needs probably about 14, and one of them will probably be. But is there room to give him 14 when you got Chris and you got Carlos? That I don't have a good answer for. These are good questions. I got you. With opposing defenses keying in on DK, why isn't Tyler Lockett more involved in the passing game? Oh, I have to do a deep sigh here. Hold on, Chris. Oh. It's time for an ugly truth here. It's okay. When you take away the deep ball, and I've looked at a lot of Seahawks footage to, to come to this conclusion. It's not based on today or even just this year. When you take away the deep ball from Tyler, he is not very dangerous. Let's say he's bad or not good anymore. The, the threat is very much eliminated. And it's not only because of Tyler, but A, he's not super, super shifty. Like, Doug was really shifty. Like, it was off the line, super, super hard. To, he was a basketball player off the line. That's not Tyler's game, really. More of a, he's a really good route runner, obviously. We talked about it on the show. But, like, when you think of the other slot, when you think of really good slot dudes, you think of shiftiness. Like, I'm about to name a bunch of white guys, but you know what I mean. Hunter Renfro, Cooper Cup, Cole Beasley, that's got to be a black slot, dude. Why do I only think of white guys right now? Jarvis Landry is another it's one. Easy. There we go. There's they're one. really talented. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even um, Juju. Juju's another one who's really good out of the slot. Colin well. Ridley. Uh, he's just good everywhere. Oh, my yeah, God. The slot, he's scary. He is. Oh, my God. He's so good. Anyway, those guys are a lot like shiftier and good in short space, I think, which really helps when you're playing underneath. And I think the other problem is the scheme that Seattle has doesn't allow for a lot of yards after the catch. And if you guys, you guys have been watching Tyler for a long time. He really doesn't make a ton of people miss. He's probably not running through anyone. Um, he actually protects himself really well and gets down. Like, if he catches the ball in the middle of the field, fall down. Like, that's just his move. Even Pete Carroll said this to us on Zoom, like, a week ago. That's kind of his bag. But if you're only getting seven yards and falling down, you're eight yards and falling down, even if you're moving the sticks, you're basically like Cooper Cup was today. Get the ball, fall down. Get the ball, move the sticks, fall down. You're not killing anybody like that. And we're used to Tyler killing people. And so I think that's the problem. I honestly don't have a good fix for that. Like, that's just, the more I've thought about it, I'm like, man, that's actually really, really problematic that teams have been able to scheme with a deep ball for Tyler and DK. Because DK can still be kind of effective because he'll run through somebody. As we saw. Yeah, or even that Patrick Peterson uh, move against them in the rematch where he, he gets, like, the deep comeback, pivots, and next thing you know, Patrick Peterson's on his face. Like, DK is kind of built better to do that because he's so big, so strong, and so fast. Tyler's a little different. So 
I don't really know if there's a fix for that in particular, but I have identified that. I've come to the conclusion, like, yo, that's my take. Uh, it's not a strong take, I don't think, but I think it's an accurate one. Anybody hearing it now is probably like, yeah, Mike, you're right. That's why Tyler has basically been very limited since that big uh, Arizona game. What did the Seahawks do defensively to make golf look like golf? Man, the way they play, this is, I'm going to nerd out real quick, but the way they played those play action bootlegs was so impressive. KJ talked about it well after on the Zoom. Like, everyone just kind of knew their job and really, like, like I mentioned earlier, McVay puts you got puts defenders in the positions where they like they're compromised. Like they have to cover this and this. They have to cover this and this. They have to cover this and this. And KJ talked about it after the game. He was like, "We made sure that our, our flat guys, our guys covering the flat, knew they had to set the edge and get to the flat. We know like um, our guys covering the hooks and stuff had to, hooks and the curls had to get to those and the over route or the underneath routes and stuff like that. Like it was just really just sound." They figured out what McVeigh was trying to do, and they've known this for a little bit too. I talked to, I think, uh, I want to say it was Bobby before week five of the 2019 season. They understood, at least he did. He understood what they were doing and how to beat it. It was just a matter of getting everyone on the same page to be like, look, you're gonna have to play your ass off today. You're gonna have to play the flat, and you're gonna have to set the edge if they run it. Like, and you're gonna be a lot of boots. Like, you're gonna have to be ready for all that. And they were, they were. I think that was really key. In when I watch all 22, I'm probably just gonna be like in love. Uh, but for now, I already know just having been there watching it unfold, that was the key. It was being really disciplined and everyone working really, really hard to stop exactly what they do well. Because as we've seen, if Jared Goff can't bootleg you, you're he, he is trash, <laughs> not doing anything. <laughs> is it worth spending the energy trying to decide which playoff matchup is best for the Seahawks? I feel like if you want to beat the best, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Yeah. How did you guys also oh. finish in your fantasy leagues? Oh, my bad to cut you off. Um, okay, I was bad in most of my leagues. Did you win one of your leagues? I'm in a championship in one league, but I'm going to lose because Matt Stafford went out with an injury. So I only uh, had less than one point. Ooh, that's tough. There's that. Yeah, I wasn't very good uh, in fantasy this year. I didn't make the playoffs <laughs> in one in one league. But um, to, make the, to answer the playoff part of that question, I really do think people got to stop doing this. People only are focusing on the first part of the playoffs, like the – Let's get the weakest team in the first round. Guys, the playoffs, you got to win three games for the most part, unless you're the one seed. Like, you need to beat everybody. If you're avoiding one team, you're probably, like, if you're avoiding one or two teams, like, that's that's terrible. I think the only reasonable thing is to not really want to play Green Bay because of it's in Green Bay. I wouldn't be afraid of the Packers necessarily, I would be afraid of playing in Green Bay. I missed the Tennessee game today, but what, Chris, you were watching. Wasn't it wasn't like covered in snow. Disgusting snow, but it didn't matter because Devontae Adams looked like he can run routes in the water if he had to. Yeah. In a but, pool, excuse me. And they're like, they practice in that, right? So they, they that's their element. Not only are you going into a poor weather conditions, you're going into weather conditions that the home team is very familiar with playing it. So, like, that's the only thing. But I wouldn't be afraid of the team. It's mostly, like, that particular part of the game. Other than that, man, stop looking for let's play this team because they do this or this. No, man, if you really want to be a championship team, you just got to be ready to go in there and beat whoever the hell you play and get all the way to the dance. Once you get to the dance, it's just kind of whatever. You get two weeks to prepare, it's neutral field, whatever. But if if you're trying to map out the course and take the easiest road, forget all that. The road is what it is. Either you're built for that or you're not. What do you think the Seahawks are going to do with Dunbar? Resign on a prove-it deal, let him walk? And how does Shaq's free agency affect it? And then also, do the Lakers repeat? 
Um, okay, the Dunbar part. Let me start with that. I would be surprised if they bring him back. It just depends on how the knee surgery goes. Like, he's had injuries his whole career. Ends up with knee surgery. They really got to see how he looks coming off of that. Like, that that's risky. They could get him on some minimum thing. I'm not sure how his agent would want to handle that. That's probably the most you can offer a guy who just who is talented but just didn't fit the scheme schematically totally because he liked to play off coverage and who has an injury history and just needed season-ending knee surgery. I don't think Shaquille Griffin's free agency impacts Quentin Dunbar, however, mostly because Shaq's... The difficulty with the Shaq situation is the salary cap and how much money he himself is going to, like, command. I know people don't want to hear this, but go look at the upcoming free agents for 2021 and look at the cornerback position. Shaq's going to be like a top one or two guy. Probably him, depending on how people feel about Patrick Peterson, uh, the dude in uh, Cincinnati, I want to say William Jackson is his name. Those are the guys, like, that's it. It's not really like a superstar coming out this this year. So Shaq's going to be able to walk in and be like, yo, if you don't pay me, someone's going to give me the bag. Right, okay. That's the tricky situation. I'm a, We're going to talk about that whole situation more as the season progresses, but I don't think the, that's connected to Dunbar. That's more connected to the market, and the market is just you got to pay for someone like Shaq. And the first last part was, do you think the Lakers repeat? Um, I don't know. I've only seen a few NBA games this year, and from what I've seen so far, boy, people got to be worried about Brooklyn. Well, the good news is Brooklyn lost to the Charlotte Bob Charlotte Hornets tonight, which is good. Damn, you couldn't tell me that before I gave that answer? That's cool. No, That's cool. I, I wanted you to say that just so I can be like, ha, they lost tonight. <laughs> Dang, that is crazy. Uh, <laughs> They're still a good team. Yeah, no, I just don't. I haven't really watched much. I mean, they should. It depends on how good the Lakers are defensively. I think uh, if, I think losing JaVale McGee really might hurt them because Mar- Marcus Gasol looks like a sloth out there. Yeah, it, 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 I don't like it. It's funny because, like, if, if, when they signed – I'm going to keep this real short. But when they signed Marcus Gasol – it was just like, oh, that's good defensively. But it's like, oh, have you guys well, understand? He's a former defensive player of the year. Yeah, five years removed. But um, <laughs> that's also the year LeBron swears he should have won it. Like yeah. he and his he said it. I think before that, Marcus Gasol has he said it in the postseason. Yeah, he has his defensive player of the year award. So you're acknowledging that even when he was at his best, he wasn't even better than you five years ago. So he definitely ain't better than you now. So <laughs> I thought I that yeah I'm with you. That was that was a that was a bad move. He should just kept away Howard. But yeah, I think the Lakers do repeat. Mm, hate to be the wet blanket on the victory parade, but it looked like Ugo was beaten badly on a couple of first down conversions. Got to rewatch the tape minus some beers. But is the nickel spot really up for grabs? Um, I don't think so. I mean, between who? I would say it's not up for grabs, but I would say Mr. Reed is definitely a player that could make his... Once we get into the postseason... Going into next year, I think DJ Reed definitely would have, be a guy that can get fill that role, which I talked about last week, especially with his play. And if the Seahawks bring back Shaquille and Quinton, how that unfolds is also key as well. Yeah, I think – so, no, I don't think Ugo's going to lose his job to DJ. Excuse me. I think, if anything, he'd probably lose it to Marquise um, when Marquise comes back next year. But this year, no, I think I think Ugo's been fine. I think he got beat – yeah, beat on a Cooper Cup. He did it. He got him on the inside, and then he got him on a third down on the out route. Yeah, I mean, that's the difficulty in covering Cooper Cup is they always put him, like, in the slot where he has a two-way go, meaning that no you, don't, you don't have any, like, you know, on the outside guys, they have the sideline as, like, an extra defender, and they, you know, and they know where they have their help. When you're Ugo and you're, like, right on the hash, 
against Cooper Cup on like third and six, you don't know where the hell he's going. And you can't really guess, right? Because if you guess wrong, you're, bar- you're barbecued. If you guess right, you might have a pick six, especially if it's an out route and you jump under it. But it's just a really hard, those two-way goals are so tough. They really, That's why Cooper Cup's so nasty. Right? Like that's just what it is. I don't think getting giving up a couple balls to Cooper Cup is how you get benched. I don't think that's, that's how that works. How is it decided which players are interviewed and which players aren't for the post-game and midweek press conferences? It's a good question. Um, so when they lose, <laughs> we just hoping we get somebody, man. Like it's just it's, it's we might only get Pete and Russ. I think I think that's happened a couple times this year. Maybe it was Pete, Russ, and we got like Bobby or Jamal. Um, usually Jamal. Yeah, but a couple of those times they lost. Jamal didn't play. I don't think so. You get a defensive tackle defensive lineman went sometimes yeah i think it's if 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 they lose we always get we always get rest win or lose and then if they lose we usually get at least one defensive player and if if jamal plays it'll be jamal if jamal doesn't play it'll be bobby like i think that happened twice this year no it happened once it happened against um arizona in arizona they, they lost and jamal didn't play but we got bobby um so i think but when they win, it's usually just like who had a good game, who had a sack or a big play or a big catch or something like that. And then it's largely like who agrees to go when the PR guys go in the locker room, be like, hey, you want to do, need you for the podium? And they're like, get away from me. And if they do that, then no. Uh, but if they're like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, sure. Then they'll walk up. If they, if during the week, we always get Bobby and Russ, no matter what. That's always nice. And then it that one is really just so this is behind the scenes. The way that the podium time is set up, they do it in between like I think their walkthrough and lunch. So before the locker room would just be open and we'd be in there just bothering guys while they're eating sandwiches, right? That's usually when we're doing this. Now now that we don't have that at Zoom, so basically we're relying on a PR guy, maybe one or two, I don't even know how many have access to the locker room, to go in there during lunch. And be like, yo, hey, um, Quandre, you want to do the Zoom? Quandre, I think he'd just be like, hell no. And then that's it. And then it just depends on how hard the PR guys want to lobby. I'm sure if there's a natural storyline like Jamal playing the Jets, they'll make it like, hey, Jamal, you should do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's good for you. Or there's some lobbying there. But either way, I think the players can just be like, nah, I'm good. I need to go get taped up. Or I'm going to go out there, get out there early and catch some balls or I'm on special teams. Anyone on special teams has to be at practice earlier, right? So we have to eat lunch quicker. So we fewer opportunities for guys to play special teams. So there's a lot that goes into it, actually. That's actually a good behind-the-scenes question. Do you think the Seahawks can upset the Packers in a potential playoff matchup, or are we still another pass rusher short of that? Uh, Can they? Yes. Would they? I would probably pick the Packers, especially if that game is in Green Bay. Um, I really don't want to go back to Green Bay. That was so bad last year. You'll be okay. Will I? You will. I don't know. I almost wasn't uh, <laughs> last time. For real. So many delayed the podcasts in the car. That's legendary. Bro, it was so cold and green. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't think a pass rusher, this is an important point, I think. I don't think a pass rusher is necessary against the Packers, although their line is good, so that's important. But the main thing is having somebody who can guard Devontae Adams. Jesus Christ, that dude is so good. And there is no other receivers on the team that are a threat. Like crazy, they, they got these dudes with all these hyphens in their names and Marquez Valdez Scanling and Aquinas St. Brown or whoever the hell Alan Lazard. Like these aren't dudes that you usually have to like shut down. That frees up one on ones for Devonte all week. Every team spends all 
their whole practice, at least one day of practice, if not more, with a special jersey on their number 17 for the scout team, making sure that every snap they know where 17 is, a Devontae Adams jersey. And every freaking week, he barbecues the other team's defense, and it doesn't matter. So I think the only thing you can do on Devontae is have a lockdown dude on him. You need to have a, a number one who can shut him down. Because if you need to bracket him and double team, then I think they are deadly enough as an offense to beat you up. I think Carolina tried that um, on the Saturday game like a week and a half ago. Because I think they used to have a, they have a coach in Carolina who used to coach in Green Bay. So he was like, look, the last thing we're going to do is let Devontae kill us. And Rodgers was like, cool, that's cool. We can beat you guys other ways. I think the Seahawks defense is better than the Panthers defense, so it will go differently. Um, but it really helps if you can just say, hey, Shaq, you got 17. Ball out. Like, if you don't have that, whether you're the Saints or the whoever, if you don't have that, it might be a long freaking day. Mm, you're looking at your defense. 140. Bro, <laughs> Devontae is real. He is real. real. Does the offensive performance of the last few weeks give other teams interest in shoddy? It doesn't seem like an awe-inspiring display of offensive creativity and prowess. Also, our kickers make it hard to say never kick. Those boys are good. No Pro Bowl, but should be all pro. Yeah, I think... I don't think they'll be all pro, but uh, Dixon has a case for all pro, I think, on the kickers. Um, that doesn't mean that you should kick or not, for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't really care. It's about the process of like <laughs> scoring points. But as far as Jason, Young Way Koo had a better argument for him in a Pro Bowl before today. Because <laughs> if you're missing the clutch kicks, you're not a— Such an Atlanta thing to do. Because, oh, yeah. Oh, my I God. I feel bad for these guys. So, oh. nah, Atlanta's been having a hot girl summer all pandemic so i don't feel bad for that city but young way he's already he's he's made like fit eight kicks of 50 plus yeah. like he's had a better year than jason but if you're just gonna split hairs the guy who's missing game winning kicks is probably not better than a dude who hasn't missed all year that's just especially when young way kicks in a dome half the year too <laughs> no wind nothing to worry about and then he gets the saints in a dome every year too so you're looking at nine games in a in, in no elements at all so anyway uh, that doesn't impact never kick. Who was the first part of that? Oh, it was about Shoddy, Shoddy getting yeah. hired. Yeah, I think so. And I want to touch on this real quick. Uh, I don't know how many we have left, but before we get out of here. How everyone else sees creativity on offense is not the same as like what people who really study offense see. Like People who study offense notice just the little things, like the beaters that teams draw up to beat like a team strength like I was mentioning with Big Vay or even today like understanding situational football and having a really good call like they did on the Jacob Hollister touchdown or just like finding ways to get the ball to your playmakers you know away from the other the defensive strength like today with DK I don't think DK's matchup went great but what they were doing was motioning him away from Jalen Ramsey you see Jalen nodding his head he was not happy because that gives them <laughs> a couple indicators that lets Russ know zoner man they're in zoner man which is huge and then that that tells you that, okay, DK is not being followed, so maybe he can be our number one read on this mm -hmm. if it's away from Jalen. Like, it's stuff like that. No, is that's not a triple motion with a tight end pop pass or whatever, <laughs> and it's not putting the quarterback in motion. Some of the fancy things we've seen the Chiefs do, or even, like, some stuff, the creative stuff that, like... Uh, even the Rams, to be honest. Yeah, the Rams. I think the Browns offensive coordinator has done, like, some stuff with, like, reverse passes and things like that that have been cool. But, like, it's the little the little things that, like, a GM... Because you can't trick pass your way to a good offense, no. right? No, you need to just be a good schemer. And I think Shadi is a good schemer. I think I think he is. So, yeah, I, I don't think they have to put up 30 the whole year for Shadi to get those attention because at the end of the day, those little things, too, will matter to a lot of people. 
who are we signing back after this season and what free agent do you want to see the Seahawks go after I'd have to look at the free agent list. Uh, I'm sorry to who asked that. I don't know the full, like, this is outside free agents. There's Correct. so many. I'm not really um, sure necessarily. I know I would like to see, if they're not going to sign Shaq, which I don't think they will, um, bringing Sherm back, I wouldn't be opposed to. Although, is he hurt? I didn't see him play um, the other day uh, when they played. But that would be interesting. I do think they will, they'll probably end up tagging Shaq, is what I would guess would happen there to make sure like he doesn't I think there's like a 14 million dollar tag they could probably do they probably wouldn't give him like the 18 million dollars a year that he would probably command but of the other ones I could see him bringing KJ back for sure should bring Jacob Hollister back especially if you're not going to bring uh, G-Reg could see them keeping Benson could see them keeping Cedric Abui who I think has been okay definitely could see them bringing Ethan Posick back they probably actually should do that like I would highly recommend Nick Bloor probably come back as well, especially when you make the Pro Bowl. Devontae Moore, I could see coming back. Demarius Randall. Um, I think the the biggest wild cards, I don't think they'll bring back uh, Chris Carson, that is. I think the biggest ones that are kind of tricky are KJ, Bruce Irvin, and De- David Moore. I don't really know what I would do there. Because David's pretty solid, so I don't know, like, is what another team when I make him their number two? Like possibly, yeah. Like you just said, he he's he's solid. He's, he's a good having, receiver. He's like seven touchdowns or something this year. Like pretty good passer rating when targeted. Like he's he's a really good downfield threat too. Can return kicks. Can return punts. Um, can get the ball in space. Like I don't know how attractive he'll be. I'd have to make some calls and figure that one out. That's a tricky one. And then what was the other one? I said? KJ. It was yeah. Bruce coming off the ACL is tricky too. And then KJ. Right. Like, what do you do? Especially there. you got Jordan Brooks. It's, yeah, you got Jordan Brooks. You still have BBK, who we haven't played. You still got Cody Barton. Like, I don't know what you do there. How much does KJ want? Like, I don't know. I don't know. That Those are the two real tricky ones along with Bruce. We want to thank you guys for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate all the love and support. Mike, you got anything you want to add before we shake, man? No, we appreciate you guys, man. I just want to echo that. It's nothing but love. We do this for you guys. Love you guys. Appreciate all the feedback, good or bad. We see all of it, everything. It's like we appreciate all of that stuff. Keep it coming. Uh, the Seahawks are at least going to have a playoff game. So we got at least two more regular season episodes uh, coming. So we're going to make sure they fire for you guys and make sure you guys keep bringing the heat into questions. And we'll, 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 hold up, we'll hold it up, excuse me, on our end. Time to your bag and the color on your lid, yeah.